welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. Well, today as we go through 1 Peter, we are going through 1 Peter chapter by chapter. Today we are on chapter 3. And before I get into chapter 3, um, I, I want to let you know what verse I'm going to do right away. I'm going to do in 3.15. Some of you are like really excited. Where is he going with it? Uh, 3.15 is where we're going. I'm going to read a couple verses around there. Before I get there, I do want to tell you that uh, I love the way Pastor Kirk did 1 Peter chapter 2 with uh, the combo platter with Nathan Finocchio, kind of wedging that in. That was a real... Pastor Kirk and Nathan, great job. Great job. My mom said to me, she goes, she, she saw Nathan again, and she goes, I really like that Nathan. He better not mess up. You know, and I said, we're all saying that too. All right. And by the way, he's at Sparkle. He's at Sparkle. So if you haven't got your fill of Nathan and his weird hats, uh, he's going to be at Sparkle. All right. So for our text today, 1 Peter 3, um, I'm going to start in verse 13 and then go through to 16, and we'll jump right in. Uh, Peter says this. He says, who's going to harm you if you're eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Now, from this verse and from this text, it's really clear. You need to know what you believe and why you believe it. You need to be ready. You need to have an answer. You need to be ready for this. And although you don't need to be a professional at apologetics and being able to defend everything about it, you have to be ready, every one of us. Now, if you're in the congregation, maybe you're like, not me, you do. You're the pastor. You need to know. And if you're the pastor, you say, not me, the expert does. You know, like somebody really smart needs to, all right? Dr. Tennyson needs to do it. Nathan Finocchio, somebody else. No, all of us do. All of us need to apply this. And to varying degrees, each of us needs to be able to defend and say why we have the hope. Why do we have it? So I want to jump into verse 13. It says, who's going to harm you if you're eager to do good? And here we are talking about harm again and persecution, and I can hear some of you in the church like, there's a lot of suffering in this book. Like, you know, why did Pastor Rob pick this? And I picked it because it fits. It fits where we are right now. And pastoring this church, I just think it fits. And if you remember, Peter was telling the church this before Nero came in. It was, it was starting to amp up. It was before it got really bad. So he's like, I, I'm letting you know this right now while you're facing this level, and it, it's going to here. I want you to understand this. It really fits. And um, it's a rhetorical question that he's asking, and Peter knows better, and so do we. Um, I, I, I never thought I'd live in the country like this, but recently um, leaked documents by our FBI even said that uh, those that are uh, traditional Catholics pose an extremist threat. Think about that. Did you ever think that you live in a country where they'd say traditional Catholics? So when Peter asked this question, I'm like, that is rhetorical. That you know better, Peter. Like, we know better. Like, look at where we're living, okay? 
And these people were being reviled, they were being slandered, they were being accused of evil, they were being insulted. And I've noticed persecution starts with words and then it goes to actions and, and then it gets extremely bad when it becomes government encouraged or sanctioned. And so Peter's like, all right, guys, who's gonna harm you if you're gonna do good? He goes like, I got it. But even if you should suffer for what is right, in verse 14, you are blessed. Don't fear their threats. Don't be frightened. He's like, you know, come on. If you suffer, don't fear their threats. Don't be afraid. You're blessed. And how can you be blessed in, in all this persecution and this attack that would be coming against you? Well, William Barclay says this, no man escapes suffering, but for the Christian, suffering cannot touch the things which matter most of all. So he's saying you're blessed. Peter's saying you're blessed because what really matters to you is Jesus. And when you suffer, you're gonna look like Jesus. And when you suffer, you're gonna identify with Jesus. And they can't take away what really matters. So don't be afraid of them. Don't be discouraged. Keep moving forward in your faith. Come on, guys, we've got this. All right, verse 15. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. So I wanna talk about the first part here. It says, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. So how do we do this? We do this by placing Jesus in a category all by himself, by saying, you are the greatest value. Lord, we, we set you apart, you're holy. You are, I, I'm living for you. It's all about you. And it's interesting, uh, in, in verse 13 and 14, uh, Peter is talking about persecution and suffering. And then in 15, after we get past this part, he's gonna talk about be ready to give an answer. And I wanna tell you the key to be giving an answer and the key to surviving the persecution is this part. Have Jesus first in your life. Make him, revere him as holy, set apart, that you are on mission with him, that, that his smile is what you're living for and that you are in a relationship with him and you are uh, in this growing relationship with him and you are confident in living for him. You are certain that Jesus is Lord of your life. Matter of fact, Ken Boa, a theologian said this. In other words, be certain Jesus is Lord of your life and affirm your utter dependence upon him. If you wanna know how you're gonna survive anything that life throws at you, if you know how you're gonna be able to answer people that have questions to you, you are just utterly dependent upon Jesus and you're saying, you're number one, I'm living for you, you're my Lord, you're my Lord. And a lot of uh, times people see Jesus as their savior, he saved them from their sins, but he's also their Lord. And he, he directs their life and we're living for him. Now, the beautiful thing about this is um, we have this walk with God and we're gonna be answering people and we need to stay in love with our Lord. We need to stay in love with our Savior. And we're gonna be passionate. And then it says, always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. And it's going to happen. People are gonna ask you for the hope that is in you. Sometimes they come right out like, why do you believe in Jesus? You know, as much as I fly, I get a lot of people that will ask me, like, why do you believe in Jesus? Matter of fact, just the other day, when I, I bought this shirt, brand new, and the guy was like, he goes, what do you do for a living? I said, you'll never guess. And he goes, and he said, finance? And I said, no. I told him a pastor, he's like, wow, real, like you, wow. I could just see, he, you know, usually somebody responds with like, oh, my uncle's a priest, you know, or something, you know, like, oh, I go to St. whatever, you know, like he's like, 
wow, whoa, you know? And it was like, it was almost like you. And I'm like, oh yeah, we're believing Jesus and yeah, we love God. And you know, you could almost just see like, he wanted to ask questions, but he wanted to make the sale. So he's like, I ain't saying nothing, you know, all right. <laughs> but it'll happen. It'll happen. People indirectly or directly will ask you like, why do you have the faith in you? Why? Okay, let me give you an indirect one. Like, you're doing Serve Day, which, praise God, this weekend, all the people that helped with Serve Day, thousands of people did that. And can we thank God for all the people that did that? It was better than that. I mean, yeah. I mean, it deserved a better clap, but we'll move on. I mean, I don't know. Did we show all the pictures from Serve Day? Did we show pictures? We didn't show, I think we got some pictures. Can we show a couple pictures? I think that they said they had some, yeah. Go ahead, look at, we have kids out there clearing up buckthorn, and we've got people doing mulch, and we've got people, uh, yeah, I mean, lots of mulch was being done. We had people packing meals. Uh, we had uh, people doing Feed My Starving Children. We had, I mean, there were so many different things. People were painting and serving the city. Can I just say this too? Side note, um, in Chaska, uh, where we didn't get the venue, we actually went and did work on that venue and bless them. Even though they kicked us out, we went and did work there. That's the type of church we're gonna be, all right? So let's just say you're on serve day and you're out there doing that, and somebody says, why in the world are you guys getting rid of the buckthorn in this park here? And you could not be prepared, you could say, because we hate buckthorn, you know, like that, and then you're not ready, right? Or, or you could just say, because we're really green, or you know, whatever, or like, we love our parks and want to be better, and you weren't ready. But how many know you could say, well, we're doing serve day, and we're trying to show good deeds which glorify our Father in heaven. Because you know what? Everybody out here has their life that has been changed by Jesus Christ. We're so we're Christ followers, and we're doing that. That's why we're getting rid of Buckthorn. How many know that's better than we hate Buckthorn? <laughs> so indirectly, people might ask you, but they also might directly ask you, um, why do you have this hope? And when Peter says always be prepared, it's a Greek word, always, and it's a tricky word. It means always. That's what it means. It means always, always, always. It means always, like every time. You gotta be ready. There's no trick about it. You should be ready. The question might come to you at any time. All right? When I was, uh, years ago, I used to coach the boys baseball when they were little. I loved coaching baseball. Um, I was born during the 1965 World Series uh, game six, Twins versus the Dodgers. I've been a huge baseball fan ever since, all right? I love baseball, and I coach them in baseball, and the first thing I teach those kids when they show up, I say, I want you guys to get in the ready position. You know, get in the ready position. Get ready. Get in the ready. The ball might come to you. Get in the ready position, you know? And I had a, you'd think that was simple. Like, you'd be drilling it in, and then there, you look out in right field, and there's Danny chasing butterflies. You're like, <laughs> ready position, Danny! And I'm like, oh. And then finally, again, the radio. I remember one time he caught the ball. Like, I was like, praise God, he caught the ball. And we're like, throw it in, throw it in. He took his glove off and he threw his glove in. We're like, well, we're making progress. All right. You just, I was like, be ready. The ball might come to you. Be ready. When, when you leave church today, be ready. The ball might come to you. The server might be like, you are the nicest people I have served today. That's good, you know, we just love your food and we are super nice eaters. You know, that's not ready. <laughs> it's not ready. You gotta be ready. The ball could come to you. And he's saying, always, always, always be prepared. 
And there's an imperative tone to this. There's an urgency that says, if you're not ready, get ready. Church, if you're not ready, get ready. If you don't know how to answer, you need to be ready. Why do you have this hope? I mean, some of the people on the team, I know that they were in the ready position, but they'd be like, please don't hit the ball to me. Please don't hit the ball to me. Please don't. And if that's you and you're like, please don't ask me a question. Please don't ask me a question. Just let me eat my food. Please don't have it. If that's you, you need to get ready. Now, we have a wonderful ministry and it's called Alpha, all right? And you would learn so much. And you're like, well, that, I thought that was for people that don't know about Jesus. It's true that it's for people that don't know about Jesus and are inquiring, but it also helps you to understand why you believe what you believe. And I would encourage you, if you are not in, ready, if you're like, please don't, please don't ask me a question, please don't ask me about the hope, I don't know the answers, I, I'm not ready for this, I would encourage you to sign up for Alpha, and you could just go to rivervalley.org slash smallgroups, look for Alpha. You could do it right now, and then in the fall, it'll send you a reminder like, oh, you signed up for this, you remember this sermon. You need to be prepared. I, I, I encourage you this, you sign up and bring someone who doesn't know Jesus along with you. Bring somebody who's loosely affiliated doesn't know, and, and find out why you believe what you believe. We need to know what we believe and why, and it's not a good uh, defense to say like, well, I, I was raised this way. It's not a good defense to say, I, I, I don't know because. It's not a great defense to say, well, the B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's the book for me. I mean, that's not a good defense. You know, it's not a good defense to say, I just feel it. I just feel it, I feel, and I, that, that's what I have. It's not. I mean, imagine if you had a defense lawyer and you're being charged for some terrible crime, for murder, and your defense lawyer goes up and says, Your Honor, in the opening statement, says, Your Honor, my client is innocent because he says so. <laughs> no one in his family has ever done it. He's just like his family. No one has ever done it. He's a good guy. I like, I like him a lot. I like him a lot. His mom does too. Nine out of 10 dentists, they like him. They like him a lot, and uh, he would never do that, all right? He, I mean, if that was my defense attorney, I'd be like, I'm done, I'm done. I want expert witness. I want somebody to get up there and say, Your Honor, we're gonna show you from camera footage that he was never there. Your Honor, we're gonna show with eyewitness uh, testimony that he was never there. Your Honor, we're gonna show you that with DNA that he was never there. Your Honor, we're gonna show you the DNA of the person that did it. That, that's what I want. I, I want somebody who knows and how's, how to defend. I don't, like, well, I, he's a good guy. I mean, so when you think about your faith, Peter's saying, be ready for the hope that's in you. And how sad that people would ask us for the hope in us, and, and we don't know. We do, well, you know, I, you know, I, it's a, I, I, uh, I don't know. We should be ready, is what he's saying. And as we give this defense of our faith, the first thing you want to be certain of is, it's a firsthand experience that you truly have the faith. And if you don't have the faith, if it's your parents' faith, if you don't know how to defend your faith because you've really never looked in it, you're just here and you're attending and you're, or your spouse's faith. By the way, thank God for all the uh, saved husbands and wives that bring a spouse along that doesn't believe in this. And they come together. But someday you have to make it your faith. If you've been coming along with your spouse, it's gotta be yours. It's never gonna be a, a defense of it if it's like, well, you know, our family is never gonna work. But if you have a, a firsthand experience with Jesus Christ, that's a part of having this hope and this defense. It needs to say, this happened to me. My life was changed. This is what I believe. This is what I've looked into. It, it's not like phone a friend and talk to somebody else. It's you. The second thing, if you're gonna give this defense, it needs to be intelligent 
and, and, and reasonable. You need to be able to explain it in an intelligent and reasonable way that shows that you've put the spiritual work and the mental work into this. You, you have a faith that you understand that you can communicate. And as you do that, um, you, this, is, this, this is the type of argument, or not the argument, this is the type of defense. I don't wanna say argument. This is the type of defense that gets people to pay attention because you've done the work. You can intelligently explain it. You, and and, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, in those moments, some, you know, your heart will be racing, and I guarantee you when you're done with it, you'll think like, oh, I should have said this, I should have said that. But you, the Bible's saying, be ready, be ready. Let me skip ahead and I'll come back to this verse, but, or I wanna skip to the end part of this verse. It says, do it with gentleness and respect. When you're sharing with the hope that's in you, and all of us need to do this, we've gotta do it with gentleness and respect. We don't attack them. Ultimately, we're trying to win them over. Jesus wasn't telling us to go out and argue with everybody. He's saying, go out and make disciples. But in this process, they're gonna ask us questions and we're gonna have to go back and forth. And how many know that sometimes that it escalates or they insult and they attack you? They may ask it with contempt or slander or animosity, but we're not gonna like have a proportional response. You know, in the military, they say it's a proportional response, tank for a tank, airplane, airplane, bomb, bomb, you know, but we're not gonna do that. If they come with all those things, Peter's telling us that we need to answer in a, in a, in a way that is gentle and respectful. And one commentator said, you should answer in a way as if Jesus was looking over your shoulder. I mean, imagine that, because Jesus would be like, don't you talk to, like, why are you talking to them like that? Why are you being so mean in this? Okay, but back to the defense. It says, be ready to give a defense. Now, it's interesting. This is coming from the guy that didn't have a defense. Think about that. Here's Peter. Are you one of his followers? No. Are you sure? Because I thought you were one of them. Not a chance. Are you? And he's saying, have, be ready, be ready. Now, you need to know uh, the what and why. You need to be able to clearly state it. You need to be gentle and respectful, but we are not an apologetics expert, most of us. Most of us are not. So how are we gonna do this? What are we gonna do if we go out there? Because I do want you to study, and I'll give you some resources, and I'll give you that, but there's people that ask you questions, and they're bigger than you know, or they're tougher, or they're, it's an angle, or there's that animosity, and it shakes you a little bit, but I wanna give you a new term if we're gonna give an answer for the hope that's in us, we need to be hope holders. Hope holders. That we, remember I was saying like that verse that shows us it's really the key to put Christ first? Like we're in love with Jesus. We are, our hands are in the, his hands. Our life are, is in our, his hands. And we're saying, God, we have a hope in you. We love you and you hold us and we hold on to you. And it's an active faith that we have in you and we're hope holders. And then as we're spending this time with him, as we're revering Christ, as we're loving him, this love oozes out of us. And we don't, it's not about, I'm going to try to out argue you. It's like, I'm going to out love you. And I'm going to show you that this is real in me. And I'm a hope holder. And instead of being like, it's a new attitude. I guess what I'm trying to say, it's a new attitude. Whenever somebody asks you something like, 
And I'm thinking about even recently as this week, you know, I, I was on a flight and this lady next to me was an attorney and she was just combative and, and I kind of was like, all right, here we go, you know? And I got, you know, and, it, and it, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't a hope holder. Does that make sense? I wasn't a hope holder in the moment, and I started out kind of like, all right, here we go, jab for jab, jab. And then I was like, wait a minute, that's not the way I'm supposed to do it. And then I was like, you know what's even better than arguing with her? Just telling her how much I love Jesus and how much Jesus loves me and how he's given me hope in my life. And all of a sudden, the whole thing changed. And I went to right away, like, when I was seven years old, can I tell you this? And I don't even think it was the question she asked me, you know? And I was like, I just said, when I was seven years old, I heard that I was a sinner and I realized that I had done wrong. And, and when Billy Graham gave the opportunity for me to be forgiven of my sins, I rushed forward and you know what? I felt the peace of God flood. And I, I, I just immediately, you could just see, I was talking a different thing. I was like a hope holder. And she's wondering like why I believe this and I'm like, here's the one I'm holding on to and I'm a hope holder and it wasn't like we're fighting and it was actually a joy and I was actually excited to be talking about the reason that I have this hope because I was talking about somebody that I love not trying to win an argument. And it was a beautiful thing. And I didn't point out how many transcripts, you know, we have of the Bible and I didn't get into all these deep things and, and I just was dealing with hope and um, although I did once get in an argument with a guy on a flight, how many, as much as I travel, I always, this is a prayer I pray, God, if you want me to talk to this person next to me, make it clear and obvious. If not, please let me study. You know, like that's, you know, <laughs> all right. But, and when they start talking, I'm like, there's the sign. And this guy saw me studying my Bible. And this is what he said. He goes, you don't really believe that, do you? Game on, let's go. <laughs> and, and I didn't, <laughs> I'm preaching to myself here. I didn't really do that gentleness and respect. Because then I found what, out what he believed. I'm like, there's no way you believe that. And I mean, we were three hours. I mean, it was, so I, I didn't quite, we didn't, I didn't win him over. And uh, I'm just, but I'm preaching to myself here. But when you share that you're a hope holder, how many can do that? How many can go out and be a hope holder and share like, this is what I've got. This is who I'm in love with. This is who's changed my life. This is where it happened. This is what he's done in my life. You're a hope holder, and there's something about the power of the testimony. Yes, I want you to know the as much as you can. Yes, I want you to be able to answer those questions. Yes, I want you to go to Alpha. Yes, I want you to, to have those things, evidence that demands a verdict. Yes, I want you to do those, you know, uh, Case for Christ, um, the, maybe the Apologetic Study Bible, uh, Defending Your Faith by R.C. Sproul, uh, the Reason for God by Tim Keller. These are some great resources. Mere Christianity, yes, yes, yes. But at the end of the day, you know, when we share the hope that is in us, they weren't asking us like, do we have all these things figured out? They're like, why are you living for this Jesus? Why, why, there's something there. And I feel that many times when we go in the argument level, we lose it, we lose it. And so I keep going back to the hope holding. Here's why I hold this hope. Do you know what it's like, and I say this to him, do you know what it's like to be forgiven of everything you've ever done wrong? Well, obviously, if they don't know Jesus, the answer is no, but then I'm trying to paint a picture for him. Do you know what it's like to know that the things that you feel guilty about, the things that you come short of, it's all been forgiven? And then I'll say, do you know what 
It's like to live on purpose for your life, to know that your life has purpose and meaning and value. These are real things that people are struggling with, and they're wondering, why do I have this hope? I'll talk about the fulfillment that God has brought. Like, do you know what it's like when you don't worship money and live for that, but you're able to part with it, and you're able to feed an orphan, and you're able to see a church you built or a well you dug or people you helped set free? And I, I'm talking about the fulfillment. Do you know what it's like to see a marriage saved or someone that was an alcoholic get set free? Do you know what? And the fulfillment. And that, this is why I have this hope in me. Do you know what it's like to have a settled eternity and not be afraid to die? These are the things that, if they're wondering why I have the hope within me, I, again, I could go down the road of all the different things, and sometimes you need to bring those stats in and the things that you know that uh, the eyewitnesses of Jesus and the text we have, yes, sometimes, but I'll tell you what, when we stay in this spot, it's, it's that hope holder, and it's just oozing out. I talk about the peace of God. Like, do you know what it's like to have the peace of God? And, and even in the midst of your struggles, you have the peace of God? Do you know what it's like to have that flood over you? And, and in them, they're like, that's why I have this hope, and it's in me because there's a peace that feels. Do you know what it's like to be able to love your enemies? and to have the love of God, all of a sudden there's something that's happening in them, a spiritual dynamic, because I didn't just say, well, I'm a good person. There's some, I'm pointing to Jesus, the one I'm holding the hope. There's something when you talk about the power of God, and you're able to say, do you know what it's like? The power of God, that he answers prayer. And, and as we do this, we're a hope holder. It's a hope holder. And it says, remember I said it, the first part of it was, Honoring Christ as holy, revering Christ as Lord. The, the third part of this is, if we're gonna be able to answer them, we need to have our, our, a fresh walk with God. We've gotta stay current. We've gotta stay fresh, and it's like, it's just oozing out of us, and there's a love that is oozing out of us because we just spent time with Jesus, because it's, it's a real relationship that is in the right place. Now, when he's in the right place, that relationship in the right place, and we're focusing on the heart, and we're hope holders, how many think you can go out and answer the questions that people, you're like, you're ready. You're like, okay, I'll get in the ready position. If the ball comes to me, I'll be ready. And, and for those of you that are still trying to figure out, let me just help you with an easy way to do this. You can talk about what you were, when you met Jesus, and how it's been since. Here's what I was, and for me, I, you know, I was a wicked sinner at age seven. <laughs> but I tell them, even then I knew I did wrong, but you know, here's what I was. Here's how I met Jesus. Here's how I met Jesus, and I got this faith. And you know what, ever since then, here's what he's meant to me. Here's what he's done in my life. Here's how my life has changed. Here, I can do that. I can be ready to give the answers, to give that. And I would challenge you to do this. If somebody's really combative or really like struggling, why not invite them to Alpha with you? Hey, you know what? You seem to have a lot of questions. We have this thing at church, it's called Alpha. I'd love for you to come along with me and join me in this. Let's go in this together. You're gonna be able to ask questions. You can be able to answer, ask anything you want. But we've got to be hope holders. Church, I pray that we're in the ready position. I pray that when the questions are coming in, and they will be, 
that we're ready. I pray in this world, like, they're getting more antagonistic. And so that's where that gentleness and reverence, you know, like, we've got to be that we can't keep matching them. We can't go louder. We can't be mean. We've got to say why we believe what we believe and share for the hope that's in us. Let's be hope holders. Let's be hope holders in Jesus' name. So God, I pray right now that you'd help us to live that way. I pray that we'd be ready for the defense of, of the hope that's in us. I pray that when people ask us, we'd be willing to dig into the tough things and do it with them. But God, I pray above all, we'd just be able to share the hope that you've changed our life, that we're different because of the peace that you give us, the forgiveness you give us, the love that is in us, all that you've done in us. So God, I pray that you would help us to be hope holders as we go out in this world. I pray for the simple, easy ones, when people ask us why we're doing the good things, that we'd be ready to share that it's because of you. That's why we're doing these good things. Lord, I thank you for those people that are incredibly good at apologetics and can answer all the objections. God, I thank you that we have super smart people on our team that we can learn from. But for those of us that fall short of that level, God, help us to be hope holders that go out and even though we can't win the argument, we could share the hope and we can introduce them to you. So thank you, God, that we can have the hope in us. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I wanna do this for here and all of our campuses and even online. I wanna say if you don't have the hope in you, today could be your day. Today could be your day. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, maybe you've been coming with a relative or a friend or a neighbor or your spouse, but you don't know, your, your answer is like, I hope I get to heaven. That's not good enough. The Bible talks about we have this hope and anchor for our soul. Like when you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you know that you know that you know. If you say, sort of, I think I've got it. I hope I do. I'm not sure. Today can be the day of salvation. Today can be the day that you get right with Jesus. And at your campus, your campus pastor, or one of the pastors there is gonna give you that opportunity right now, but today is the day to move from I hope so to I know it, I know, I know that I know that I know that Jesus Christ has forgiven me, that's the opportunity.